evening, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan. Let's call this one Danielle at dinner time. I'm the super utility around here. We're talking all things New York sports with you right up till 9 p.m. on this hot, hazy Sunday here in New York City and beyond. Whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now and throughout the next couple hours, whether that be on your car radio, on the AM stream, or the FM stream. Maybe you're streaming from your computer, WFAN.com, or on our free Odyssey app. And of course, you're here in the Big Apple. It's like Connor Green and I have not left this building. We are back and coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan. So go ahead, start dialing 877-337-6666. Of course, I'm taking your calls right here in this first segment. So, get aboard. Uh, If you didn't see the Yankee game, or if you wanted a quick little... You know, 15-second recap of it. Here it is. My two main takeaways from this game. Carlos Rodon's left hamstring and the Yankees' bats failed to come through in not one, not two, not three, not even four, five different clutch situations. Yep. So, Rodon, as you know, as you saw, as you watched, he was taken out, out of the game. In the third inning because of hamstring tightness. After the game, he told reporters in the clubhouse, this is a quote, it was more of a precautionary thing. In this moment, I feel normal. I feel confident that everything is okay. Obviously, we won't know until that imaging comes. Uh, Yes, he's going to be going for imaging tomorrow. And he was asked about a potential IL stint by one of the reporters. I'm sorry, I didn't. I I know those reporters, most of them, and I don't know who asked this question, but it was a good question. And uh, Rodon said, that's not what I'm thinking, uh, you know, about a potential IL stint. So I guess that's good news. But the fact that we're even questioning the durability of this $162 million off-season big free agent acquisition pitcher is ridiculous. You know, I went back into my notes and I did a little research, a little dumb. A little search on my research about my thoughts on Carlos Rodon while he was a free agent, before he was a Yankee. And lo and behold, at 8.20 p.m. on Saturday, December 3rd, 2022, I warned against Rodon. And actually, Verlander, too, for the record. It's crazy to look back on these things. But initially, I was out on Verlander, (laughs) so it seems. But turn the calendar back to this past frigid December as we sit in 82 degrees right now in Manhattan. December 3rd. December 3rd, a couple months ago. Here is my direct quote about what I said about Carlos Rodon after doing my homework there in, in, in the wintertime and completing my free agent pitcher chart. Here's what I said. I said, you say DeGrom was injury prone? Rodon is a mirror image. His, his Rodon's injury history is a sprained wrist in 2016. Biceps bursitis in 2017, shoulder inflammation when he returned in 2017 that bled into the 2018 season, and then Tommy John surgery that ended his 2019 season after just seven starts. Since then, this is me in December, since then, he's lost time because of an elbow, a hand, a shoulder, an illness. Can he take the heat of New York? I don't think so. And I also said... On December 3rd at 8.20 p.m. Ultimately, you have to ask yourself, is it worth it to throw all of this money at one of these top two guys? The other being Verlander. I say no. December 3rd. 
Fast forward exactly eight, or almost exactly eight months later, today, August 6th, as a Yankee, well, Carlos Rodon, a trip to the IL with, what, a forearm that turned into back pain. He didn't make his first start as a Yankee till July 7th. And today, August 6th, lo and behold, Rodon left the game in the third inning with that hamstring tightness. And and Susan said he was being, at at the time, she was like, he's being examined at the stadium. He'll go through other tests over the next 24 hours. Okay, Boone confirmed it that he's set for an MRI tomorrow. Great. How long is he going to be out for now? So not only did I warn that the guy has a major injury history, I also pointed out how it's never the same injury. Always happens to be all over his body. That's worse because you can't fix what you don't know is broken. You just have to wait till something else comes up, which it has three times now as a Yankee. Three different body parts as a Yankee, in fact. The forearm, the back, now the hamstring. Like, if I had access to to this information and and I could make an informed decision, why can't Brian Cashman and the Yankees? But wait, Rodon, oh, after they signed him, he was lauded. All we heard about, Rodon lauded for his ability to shut down the Astros lineup. This was the number one thing I was watching for today in today's game. And we could talk about the other two as we go here. But the number one thing I was watching for today was for Carlos Rodon to, to I'm on your team, Carlos. I'm looking for you finally to have that breakout game against a team you're supposed to have major success against. And historically, he actually has. Against the Astros, Rodon had before today's disaster, against the Astros, a 1.55 ERA, an average of six and two-thirds innings per start. And he held that Astros team to two earned runs or fewer in every single one of his starts against them. And, and an opposing batting average of 213. Well, guess what? Not today. And this circles back to the can he handle New York point I made eight months ago. And even going into today's game, you compare Rodon's numbers from last year to this year. His strikeout percentage is about half of where it was last year. And his walk percentage is double. That was even before he went out with the hamstring today. And today, oh, cover your ears, Yankee fans, I think. The Astros whisperer Carlos Rodon faced exactly seven batters over two and two-thirds. Five earned runs. Two of which were, sorry, the two instances of which were the three-run bomb to Jake Myers on a four-seamer up and in. And a two-run bomb on a slider to Jordan Alvarez. Check out that Astros whisperer and his 7-3-3 ERA this season. Give me a break. And in a string of bad, long-term, free agency deals made by Brian Cashman, this six-year, $162 million contract that he gave to Carlos Rodon, this one might take the cake. My girl Taylor Swift. Don't say I didn't, say I didn't warn ya. And what else was I watching for today? Number two, did the Yankees have quality at-bats today? Well, I I was actually watching for this because on Yes's pregame, I watched Meredith interview the new hitting coach, a new in air air quotes here because he's not that new, but the new hitting coach for the Yankees, Sean Casey, and she asked him a great question and something that's been on my mind. 
what was your I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but what was your main priority with this lineup after taking the job? And he said, and then I'm also paraphrasing here too, but he, he the, the the crux of the conversation basically, he, he wanted the Yankees to have better quality at bats. So going into today, that's something I was looking at. Going into today, the Yankees were ranked like something like 17th in the league in pitches per plate appearance, just below four, which is not great. So like overall, I know they lost. And I know this is maybe not what you want to hear, and, and maybe I, I might sound like Aaron Boone here. I, I am well aware, but did the Yankees have quality at bats today against the Houston Astros? I would say, yeah. They knocked Arkady out after three and a third, and, and that's something that uh, Sean Casey also said. He's like, well, I hope we knocked their starting pitcher out early. That's the game plan every time. Well, okay, check on that. The next guy lasted just a third of an inning, and man, that fourth inning was huge. You had Torres starting it off with a four-pitch single, stand flat out on the fourth pitch. By the way, all over their, their season averages so far, by the way. DJ, then then the IKF, they, they all walked on four straight balls. And then four out of the next five batters, look at the counts on these guys. They all worked the count full. So all with a full count in the fourth inning alone, Volpe was hit by a pitch on, an el- on the elbow. Bowers walked with the bases loaded. Judge walk with the bases loaded, all with full counts. Every one of these guys. Torres flied out on the eighth pitch of the at-bat in the fourth inning. And then it carried over a little bit into the eighth. Kiner Falefta worked another 3-2 count to load the bases in the bottom of the eighth. So you understand where I'm trying to go with this. And Boone said after the game, he said, quote, the strike zone control really kept us in that game. And I have to absolutely agree. And I know that's not what you want to hear after a game where they lose. They lose, what, 9-7 nine, nine, at the stadium in, in, in a game where they could have taken the series against the Astros? I get it. But I guess silver lining here, the, 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 the at-bats were good quality. They really were, except, well, of course, in the clutch situations, which we'll get to. But the number three thing that I was looking for today, so first was how Rodon pitched. Well, cross that one or scratch that one right out. Uh, two, what was the quality of that bats? And three, are the hot hitters staying hot? Well, Torres, yes. Uh, Glaber Torres has been on a tear in the month of August over his past seven games or so, even back, dating it a little bit back into July. But in the first inning, he took a 2-2 four-seamer to the first row of the short porch, home run, solo shot. Torres finished three for four with two RBIs and came up a triple short of the cycle. Bowers, he's been hot. Not today. 0 for 4, and he came up small in like one or two different spots today. And Stanton, ice cold. All right, all right, all right. Outcast, right? Ice cold, John Color Stanton. He could have been a hero, and it could have erased the whole thing. He represented the winning run, bottom of the ninth. But some warning track power relegated to uh, an 0 for 6 day. For John Carlos, oh, for six, brutally bad. But even though the Astros walked twelve Yankees and hit another one, in the end, it was the bats that couldn't get it done for the Yankees. Today, three for twelve with runners in scoring position, and and of the fifteen runners that they left on base, fourteen of them were stranded over the last six innings of the game. That's just completely. Unacceptable. 
And in fact, since the year 2015, it was the most runners the Yankees have left on base in a regular in a regular nine inning game. What? So this game was filled with opportunities to be broken open. And the Astros tried multiple times to give this game away to the Yankees. The five missed opportunities that I talked about before. Number one, bottom of the fifth. Volpe, runners first and third. Couldn't hold up on a pitch. Struck out on three straight pitches. Ring them up. Ends the inning. Bottom of the sixth. DJ LeMahieu's turn now. Runners on second and third. Also couldn't hold up. Was rung up. You guessed it. TN the inning. Bowers, bottom of the seventh. Runners on first and third. Struck out and the inning. Are you sensing a pattern here? Number four chance the Yankees really had today. Bottom of the eighth. Volpe, who was first pitch swinging with the bases loaded, flied out on an 88-mile-an-hour slider. Like, you need to have more patience in that situation. You cannot be first pitch swinging there, especially with the way this game had been going. Tons of walks in this game. And Boone was asked about it after the game, about Volpe's first pitch swinging, and he said basically that he didn't mind it. He said, yeah, base is loaded there. Yeah, at some point, we needed to get a big hit today. Me, I'm preaching a little bit more patience, and I know Jeff Nelson was on the broadcast as well. Bottom of the fifth and final chance the Yankees had today, bottom of the ninth, and you thought Stanton was going to be the hero today. Step to the plate, representing the winning run, bottom of the ninth. Two outs, two runners on, but just short. 392 feet to straightaway center. Again, some warning track power, and the game was over. So putting a little bookend on this, the two major takeaways from today's game. Rodon's left hamstring, a negative. Quality at bats, though, a positive. And the fact that the Yankees' bats ultimately could not come through in five different clutch situations. The ultimate Negative. 877-337-6666 is the phone number. We'll take a very quick break here. We'll get to your calls again at 877-337-6666. My name is Danielle McCartan with you on The Fan right here till 9 p.m. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCartan hanging with you till 9 p.m. on this beautiful, beautiful, now 81-degree Sunday in New York City. Hey, while well, the uh, the number two New York Liberty they took care of business against the number one team in the WNBA today, Las Vegas Aces in front of a sold out record breaking crowd at Barclays Center. So if you're a little disgusted with your Yankees or with your Mets, and eh, maybe you, you venture out to, to Barclays to go see a winner because they hook it to them like it wasn't even close. Oh, and yeah, the U.S. Women's National Team. They lost two very early this morning. And the soccer team, probably on a flight home from Australia right now. The Mets lost, I think it was 2-0 to the Orioles in Baltimore. And the Yankees dropped one to the Astros. The, the, the potential series clincher, they dropped to the Astros at the stadium today, 9-7. to And the Yankees, in this very moment, it's like Nicki Minaj now. In this very moment, I'm king. In this very moment, I slay Goliath with a sling. The Yankees at this very moment find themselves four and a half games out of the final wildcard spot. Four and a half. And over their past three series against the Orioles, the Rays, and the Astros, three series where they could have made up a ton of ground 
in this race. And they finished four and six in those three series. That's just not going to get it done. Clearly. And neither is the rest of the five years that the Yankees have left on Carlos Rodon's deal. Brutal. Just brutal. 877-337-6666. We go out to line one. Brian Barnegat, you're leading us off tonight. Yeah, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you, Brian? I'm good. I'm not discouraged by what happened with the Yankees today. In fact, during the entire series, I think was a was proof that hey, this Houston Astros team is beatable. Agreed. And you know, like the first game, you know, they it could have been a heartbreaking loss, but they were able to win. Um, if you know, if they didn't, in the words of Keith McPherson, punt the second game by not playing Aaron Judge. But then again, you know, it's Severino, who I absolutely do not want to see. They, they, they didn't punt the second game because they didn't play Aaron Judge. They punted the second game when you saw who was on the hill for him. Severino has no business being on a major league mound. It's not about not putting Judge in the lineup. This team has won without him. They're 500 without him. Yeah, and well, I just don't want to see. I just don't want to see Severino anymore at all. Well, guess uh, what? You're go- he, I bet you're he, going to. He's supposed to pitch. I think on Wednesday with Carlos Rodon, probably, uh, and and Sever- you know, uh, uh, Herman and all this stuff going on. I think you're going to see Severino one more time because they used Brito today in long relief. He was the guy that was supposed to get his start, his next upcoming start. Yeah, and you're right about. Um, Rodon, you know, when you said that back in December, yes. oh boy, don't make me think about December weather, that he is injury prone, and it's a problem. It's a huge problem. He's pitched, what What was this, his sixth or seventh game this season so far for a Yankees team on the cusp, you know, on the outside looking in of a wild card race? Thanks for the call there, Brian. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. And like I said, there's injuries all over this man's body. It's not just like, okay, we know it's an arm issue. We could we could pinpoint that. You know what I mean? It's 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 all over. And they just seem to pop up out of nowhere. That's the biggest problem. And and I don't want to hear about punting a game because Judge is not in the lineup. Judge for 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 went? Is that the is that the correct past tense of foregone? Anyway, he decided not to. We'll just do it that way. He decided not to do any rehab starts. This is this is rehab all at the same time for him. So just because he's not in the lineup every single day, you had to expect that. They have to find different ways to win without him in it. They're not punting because he's not in it. They're punting because Severino's taking the ball again. And unfortunately, I tell you what, he's going to make his next start for the Yankees. He will do it. Most mostly because of the chain of chain of reaction effect. Rodon went down early today. Who did they bring in? Johnny Brito, who would probably have taken Severino's spot in in the rotation this upcoming week. Johnny Brito, he can't pitch Sunday and then again start a game. I think what would it be Wednesday? You can't do that. So yeah, that's who are they playing on on Wednesday? Let's see. They're gonna punt that game. Is it? Are they still at the White Sox on Wednesday? Let's let's check this out. 
Wednesday at Chicago, 8-10 p.m. Yeah, Severino. Consider that game a punt. Brutal. Just brutal. 877-337-6666. Dave in Westchester. You're up next. You're on the fan. Great monologue. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it. When is Boone going to understand he's on quicksand? He has to grab onto a vine. He just seems so lackadaisical. I agree. I, mean, I agree. There, there was a sense you're, you're, of urgency you're, missing. Yeah, you're you're, you're you're a ball player, right? Mm-hmm. And you want you want these. When I was playing ball, coaches say, "Don't swing at the first pitch. I don't care where it is." <laughs> you know what? He had a fifty-fifty chance of the ball being a wild pitch and scoring a run. I don't. I don't get it. When is he going to understand? Like, listen, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, we have time. It reminds me of one of my students. When I tell them, listen, start you know doing your term paper, and they wait for like two nights before, and they're trying to buy it online. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, we got time. There is no time, pal. Yeah. You know, and then Rodon. You know what? I'm right with you. Six years, six years. That that guy, he's injury prone. His his character is just it's not there. Well, the, I'll listen to, listen, your, to, the, to yeah. your comments. You got. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate the call there. Well, I'm not calling into question his character. I'm not. The guy, he, he he was very honest at, at the at, – they pulled down in the clubhouse. They pulled down like this uh, Yankee backdrop right in the middle of the clubhouse. He stood there. He answered every single question honestly um, and in great detail, in fact, actually. Um, I, I, he, he wanted to go back in that game. He tried to talk his way into back into that game. I'm not questioning his character. I'm not. He, he, he's a good person. However, he's an injury-prone person. And for six years, $162 million – I mean, the Yankees would have been better off going after Verlander at the time then. I mean, really? At that kind of price? And, and I agree with you. There is doesn't seem to be a sense of urgency from the manager or, or whichever group of people um, concocts the game plan, both mostly in terms of the pitching. Because you had Tommy Canley. Boone said he was a – and we talked about this with Buck Showalter. Well, when he said, oh, I think the one game, what was it? David Robertson, he was available in extra innings. No, the same thing today. Tommy Canley, he, Boone said, oh, he was available for extra innings. Well, call me crazy, but, you know, taking a game today and the series against the Astros instead of splitting it, there's a big difference in that. I think Tommy Canley should have been there earlier. That would have showed a little bit of a sense of urgency for me today from the manager. Agreed. 877-337-6666. It's what, 635? Let's go to Austin, Texas. Richard's checking in on the Odyssey app. What's up, Richard? Oh, hi, uh, Hi. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. And I'm in Houston, not in Austin. But oh, I am okay, Texas. Houston. Well, that's so, good. So what's your take on this whole thing? Well, you know, my dad was, the honestly, the biggest Yankees fan that I've ever met, and I've met a, a bunch. I am not a Yankees fan. I'm not a Yankees hater, but I, I don't have his love of the franchise. But I do – I love the Astros-Yankees rivalry. They've played 90 times, and it's 45 and 45. Yeah. And I, it is just so tense. I wish they played twice as often. <laughs> it's just magical. And, uh, you know, what a privilege to be able to watch – those teams play each other. I mean, anytime you play the Yankees, it's a good day because, you know, they, they, they have set the trend. But how wonderful, you know, when we, I thought it was going to be a disaster when the Astros went into the American League and it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to the franchise. Oh, so, yeah. Keep gloating over there, Richard. Keep gloating over there. 
Oh, well, I wasn't trying to gloat. <laughs> well, I and that's how it feels here because the Astros have run – the Yankees have run into the buzzsaw that is the Astros more often than not, and they've sent them home packing more often than not in recent history. So it feels that way. I'll be well, honest. It, okay, well, it will be – you know, these things, things run in cycles. So the Yankees are the Yankees. But it is, it is fun to have a rival, and it, it, it really is. So – that's my take. Yeah, and thanks, Richard, for checking in from Houston. I, I always like getting the other perspective. I actually was on Houston radio, the morning show out there, or down there, um, earlier in the week. Uh, actually, to talk, they wanted to talk to me about Verlander and what he had done um, for the Mets this season, how he looks, and blah, blah, blah. And I actually asked them a question. I said, so what do you think about the prospects they got back for the Mets? You know, the Mets. They said, well, they're the number one and the number four prospect, which I knew. And I said, yeah, but like, what does that mean in, in context? And they were like, well, you know, as part of the Astros, you know, the cheating scandal, the Astros actually had to relinquish their first and second round draft picks over the past, I think he said, two years. So, yeah, they might be the one in four in our system, but what it, our system's not really good, I think is what he said. Our system's not really strong. And something from Yankees PR following today's game, the Yankees optioned Johnny Brito to AAA. So, therefore, um, there's no chance He's taking the ball for for the team in the foreseeable future. Uh, obviously, I think the obvious move, it's Monday. Tomorrow's Monday. Jonathan Lewisaga is going to be the corresponding move there, of course. He is activated tomorrow. And as we sit here today, on the 6th of August, the Yankees are a season-high four and a half games out of a postseason spot. As the great Yogi Berra once said, it's getting late early. My name is Danielle McCart. We'll hit a quick break and more your calls coming up next right here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCart and hanging with you till 9 p.m. You know, the Yankees had five chances, five chances to break open this game against the Astros today. Volpe twice, Bowers, LeMayhew, Stanton. They all got chances and they could not capitalize on the fact that the Astros tried giving them the game those five times today. Yankees were 3 for 12 the runners in scoring position. And of the 15 runners that they left on base today, 14 of them were stranded over the last six innings of the game. Yikes. 877-337-6666. We go out to Lennox. Robbie, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? It's been a while. Hey, yes. Dad. Everything's good. How are you? I'm okay. I, I get stricken down with diverticulitis. It's been really tough. I tell you, the last four weeks, but uh, I'm hanging in there. So it's it's not it's, if you've ever had it, it's awful. So anyway, it's bad. But the Yankees are worse. Like, let me just uh, say a few things about the Yankees. First of all, you know I was at the beach most of the day. I get home and I have to watch the last five innings of this game or four innings of this game. I mean, you know, it's the same old song and dance every year. Runners in scoring position, leading guys on base. And again, a predominantly right-handed team. So you got predominant right-handed pitching, mm-hmm. and all these guys are striking out. LeMayu, why does LeMayu ever get booed? He has been an absolute disaster. Think about this. This guy was hitting 300 for the first block, two years yeah. of his contract. Mm-hmm. Then he gets an extension. The guy is bottomed, over, bottomed out over 100 points already. I mean, yeah. he's hitting 232 with a less than what? Less than 700 on base percentage. And I don't understand these guys. And Stanton, you know, this guy's making $32 million a year. He's got five years left on his contract. I mean, I said this to Connor, and I, you know, I don't try to be morose because I'm a pretty positive guy most of the time. But I just, I just hope they don't make the playoffs because Hal Steinbrenner to me is the biggest culprit of all time because he's the bozo who 
brought back Cashman on a four-year deal, okay, after they got humiliated by the Astros, mm-hmm. oh, we made the ALCS. I mean, did you think Yankee fans are that stupid, Danielle? Honestly, do you think that I'm that stupid, that you're that stupid, that we're stupid? But yet think people are showing up. I say to these, okay, Yankee fans, stay home. Stop paying $50 for a parking space. Stop paying 14 or $18 for a beer. Stay home and show Hal Steinbrenner what you think of this team because I, I just never see anything so ridiculous in my whole life. And by the way, the lineup, who's been the hottest hitter on the lineup so far this season? Who's Torres. been the clutch hitter? Glaber, Harrison Bader, right? And Glaber, right? Yeah. So where's Harrison Bader hitting seven? Yeah. Does that make any sense? Here's what makes no sense. Bader with speed hitting seven. Volpe, what is Volpe hitting eight? What, is, what does that do for Volpe? Bat him ninth for crying out loud. He's like a leadoff hitter. Yeah. And so Judge has Ali Gachioka and, J- and, J- and Jake Bowers as, as two guys to try to get a base in front of him. I mean, Boone makes no sense at all. I mean, I don't know who's dumber, Boone or Cashman. So I'm just like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the analytics, the nonsense. I mean, you've been, I've been talking about this for years. Aaron Judge batting second. I'm sorry. I give Buck credit. At least Pete Alonso bats fourth. That's correct. Mickey Mantle did not bat second. Babe Ruth did not bat second. I'd love to, because he comes up more time. The guy hit 39 solo home runs last year. I mean, these guys have no brains in their head, I swear. So I don't know what the solution is. And by the way, if Carlos Rodon actually buttoned his uniform, maybe win a few games, okay? (laughs) I mean, what a joke. What an absolute. All right, Robbie. On that that note, um, there was a point you made, and I wanted to to talk about it, but. There was like three points ago. Uh, what was it? I don't know. I should have wrote it down. I should I should have known. I should have known. I should have known, but I, I didn't write it down. But Rodon buttoning the top button on his jersey, that's funny. Uh, because I often think it myself. It looks weird. It just looks weird. Uh, 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Man, what was the point I was going to make? I forgot. It'll come to me. Let's go to uh, Sid in Riverdale. What's up, Sid? Hey, Danielle. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm such a tired Yankee fan. I can't I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> oh. um, uh. you, know, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs. And, you know, what my concern, Danielle, moving forward is, is that I feel like Cal and Cash, they're going to roll back the same team over again. Um, yep. Well, they have no choice. Look at the long-term deals they've got locked in. Well, I don't mean – well, can't, Well, I saw Boone has uh, one year left on his on his deal. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I think um, – uh, let me think. On the top of my head, I think you're right. I think it's ne- at the end of next season, I believe, off the top of my head. Okay, so do you think if the, the Yankees miss the playoffs this year – and I mean, I can't see them missing it next year. I mean, I honestly, I can't. I can't even believe that there's a chance they may not even make the playoffs at all with three wild cards. And I know. I just um, this is this is you know when I used to I started watching the Yankees in the early '80s, so I rolled with the good, rolled with the bad, and the ugly. Stump Merrill, Dallas Green. Mm-hmm. And you want to know something? And this may sound really weird to you, and I hope it, I hope it doesn't. I, so I was watching some of the, the old clips of the Yankees back, back those days. And you know, want to know something? They seem more exciting watching those teams yeah. than, than watching today. Um, Ricky Henderson, Dave Winfield. Um, I, this is a very new territory, so... Not, make, not making the playoffs. It's going to be very, going to be a very 
hard pill to swallow. Yeah, and, um, and Sid, you know, if you look where they're at right now, they're four and a half games out. Four and a half games out. And, I mean, I guess lucky in a way, like, they've got, I did the math yesterday, they've got a, a good chunk of game. Listen, I'm a very pessimistic person by nature. I am. I, I am, actually. But when you look at the Yankees' schedule and the teams that are in front of them and around them, they've got, I mean, Tampa Bay, Quite a chunk. I think seven, I think, versus Tampa Bay. They got like six against Toronto left. And Boston, I think it's seven. So, and Boston's behind them. But I'm just saying that they've got games that they could make up. And I know this. these last three series, that was supposed to be the get right. Like the last three series. They went four and six. It's not going to get it done. Oh, with a, you know, with teams that are around them in the race. It's just not going to get it done. I, I, you know, slowly, it seems as though they're fading. They're slowly fading. And now a Rodon injury. Who's left in that starting pitching rotation other than Garrett Cole? Uh, Nestor. I guess Nestor. But, you know, he had a great outing coming back from injury. Let's see what, if he could do it again. I think he could. But that, that's just one, two. That's it. We go to Steve in Stamford. What's up, Steve? How you doing, Daniel? All right. How are you? Enjoy the show. Thank you. I'm good. Um, so I'm a longtime season ticket holder who gave up his season tickets a couple of years ago. And I, I can't – the real problem with this team is one person, and it's Hal Steinbrenner. Uh, it really – like, I'm not going to use the George would be turning over in his grave. Yeah, We've yeah. heard that 10 million times. Yep. But you know what? This guy, to give Brian Cashman a blank check to be this bad for this long, and for them to not address – I can't think of the amount of free agents that could have changed this lineup. This stale, you know, all power, no contact hitters, fail every playoff that I think I've seen since 2006. Uh, it's basically the same kind of, you know, no contact baseball. And I think of the free agents that we could have gotten from the JT Real Mutos to the Bryce Harpers to the Machados, people that are real hitters. There is no way George wouldn't have signed some of those guys and changed up this lineup. But Cashman has sunk us, sunk us with the Stantons and all of these power hitters that can't hit the ball for average. And the bottom line is, how in the world is Hal Steinbrenner explaining himself and Cashman to the Steinbrenner family and stockholders? To have this lineup, it's it's literally felt like since 2006, we've had 17 years of watching team of watching guys just strike out after strike out and and not to change it and it's the definition of insanity. Yeah. So it really does stem from how he's the one that's let Cashman do this. Correct. The fact that they hired Boone, who's a moron, and Gerard. I was a huge Girardi fan. I love Girardi. I yes. still can't stand. Oh my God, I I love Girardi. I think of him in that 2017 team. Correct. I don't care if Gary Sanchez didn't like him. Gary, what has Gary Sanchez done for us? I like the guy with four rings. Three is a player, one is a manager. Correct. So I think every decision that Cashman has made since then has been horrible, led by Boone. But the only thing that's going to change is if they make a change away from Hal Steinbrenner. Well, Hal Steinbrenner Steve, is the real problem. With I know, team. but that's never going to happen. I mean, I mean, really. And and I remember the point too when um, Robbie and Lennox said too, uh, stop going to the games. I mean that's never going to happen. The Yankees are going to have a, a very good. They lead the league in attendance. I think John was saying for the AL over the past twenty five years. It's 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 a destination. It's it's never going to happen to just stop going to the games to make a statement. It's just not. I, and I understand. And, and and I go back to when Brian Cashman was asked if uh, 
you know, over in the past, in, in the off season, about okay, well, you entered the season without an everyday left fielder. Like, what? What's the reason? I'm paraphrasing that. Cashman said he was constrained by a budget. Constrained by a, the Yankees. Constrained by a budget. The same Yankees who are wearing a jersey patch from some insurance company on their jerseys through through 2031. That's going to be paying them $25 million a year. Do the math. $225 million to wear a little stupid little patch on their arm sleeves. And they're constrained by a budget. And everybody likes to poke fun of these, these small market teams. The... You know the, the the Royals of the world, the the Orioles of the world, the Rays of the world. Well, guess what? None of those three teams are wearing a patch on their jerseys. Not one. Yet the Mets and the Yankees are wearing patches on theirs. Two hundred and twenty-five million dollars through twenty thirty-one. How's raking in? That's a lot of money. And you mean to tell me you can't afford Andrew Benintendi for how how many million? A left fielder that was perfectly suited for this team for for how many million? Did you see Rodon folded it up? He folded up the jersey patch. Stanton folded up the jersey patch. I wonder if they got spoken to about that. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. We'll continue with your Yankee Yankee calls. Excuse me, and uh, we'll also talk about the U.S. Women's National Team getting bounced earliest they've ever gotten bounced from a World Cup. Uh, about uh, 12 hours ago. My name is Daniel McCart. With you till 9 here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Daniel McCart. And hanging with you for another two hours till 9 p.m. 877-337-6666. If this song doesn't get you pumped, I don't know what does. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was a bad day for the Yankees. Bad day for the Mets. New York Liberty won a huge game, as Pete McCarthy was just saying. Huge. They took down the number one team in the WNBA. And they swept the floor with them in a sold-out Barclays Center. So if you want to go see a winner, head out to Barclays Center. I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. It was sold out. You got to pre-get your tickets. Pre-buy them. As you know, I worked till midnight last night, and obviously I had to drive home. And as we talked about kickoff, for as we talked about yesterday, I should say, or last night even, a couple hours ago even, the kickoff for the U.S. women's national team was at 5 this morning. And here I am back here now, and I actually wasn't planning to watch any of it because of my sleep schedule and my work schedule. But I actually woke up very early uh, this morning, just, you know, when you just kind of like wake up and kind of look at the time and... When I looked at the time, oh my god, I was like, oh my, the game is it's got to be close to be, being finished. So I set up the, the Fox Sports app on my phone and I kind of propped it up on, on my nightstand. The, I'm actually reading the book 62 by Brian Hoke. Hope to have him on sometime this week. I'm gonna message him uh, to talk about it, but it, it's pretty good. But I propped it up against my 62 book, uh, and and I started watching it, and I caught it. Right at when they were just saying they just were holding up the sign for two minutes of stoppage time in regulation. So it was like, perfect. I saw the score was 0-0, zero, zero, and I was like, oh, boy, this isn't good. And then I watched most of the 30-minute overtime period. And I say most because I kind of dozed off during the second one. <laughs> and then I actually woke up halfway through the PKs. 
So I watched some of it. I tried. I did. I mean, you know, I did my best. But we talked just just yesterday briefly about how this is, in my opinion, not the same U.S. women's national team powerhouse that we are used to seeing about how I, I think it's lacking leadership, uh, especially that of Carly Lloyd. I mean, that that is the ultimate leader, let me tell you. And and how I was actually very nervous for this morning's game. I said it all yesterday. And the aforementioned Jersey zone, Rutgers zone, Carly Lloyd, who has been excellent as an analyst in this tournament. She said it perfectly after the draw in to Portugal. She said, this was back in the pool play stage. And she said, quote, you're lucky to be to not be going home right now. She was right. And now they are going home. So here we are. A stunning, stunning defeat on a penalty kick that gets in, according to VAR, by literal, literal millimeters. And then, in the face of that defeat, Alyssa Nair, the goalie, the goaltender for uh, for the for the U.S. Women's National Team, she thought she kind of made two saves. She initially stopped it and then tried to pull it out again. That's, as VAR confirmed, that's when it went a millimeter too far, the ball. Okay, so it was crushing defeat. And then the camera cut to Megan Rapino laughing on the pitch immediately after the earliest exit in U.S. Women's National Team history. She was dancing on the pitch after the draw to Portugal. That Carly Lloyd said, you're lucky you're not going home right now. And you know what? Megan Rapino, thank you for what you did to contribute to all the winning over the years, to the equal pay fight, but don't let the door hit you on the way out. And she tried to address it after the game. She was asked about it, I assume. She said, yeah, it's a sick joke. That's why I had that smile on my face. It's like, you got to be effing kidding me. I'm going to miss the penalty. I honestly can't remember the last time I missed a penalty. Not in a game for a very long time. So I looked. She is right about that. For club or for country. Rapino, she's not missed a penalty kick since 2018. But... It's time to move on. That is not the type of leadership that that this team, this very young team, needed in this tournament. And Vlatko, the coach, I mean, everybody wanted to see Jill Ellis gone, they didn't they? They bring in Vlatko. Now he's coached them through two major tournaments, the 2020 Olympics, the 2023 World Cup. And out of those games, they played, out of those tournaments, they played 10 games. They've only won four of them. Hmm. Hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, my mind kind of started to wonder if it's the end or might be the end of Alex Morgan's career. She's 34. She'd be 38 at the next time, you know, next World Cup comes around. But she said this morning she has no immediate plans to retire. And those were her words. But 31-year-old Julie Ertz, she pretty much announced retirement. And she, she might have been my favorite player on this current team. I mean, if she changes her mind, I, I hope she does. But if she doesn't, Ertz, two World Cups. She's going to finish her international career with 122 appearances, 20 goals. I just hope I hope she changes her mind. And and I, I was even in the process of planning a, a, an event with a Bergen County brewery for like a watch party. I was going to tie in a charitable donation, probably to the Alex Morgan Foundation. And, you know, we were just kind of hoping that the next game was going to be at, like, a realistic time to go and watch it. So, um, you know, just disappointing at all levels, especially personally, because I had something planned. 
Well, I was in the middle of planning something. 877-337-6666. We open back up the phone lines here. We go to Ben in Queens. What's up, Ben? Evening, Coach. Well, well since I was going to play good, bad, and ugly with you, yeah. well, let's get to the ugly first. Mm-hmm. And you brought uh, you, even more than Carly Lloyd. You know who the U.S. team really missed? A uh, favorite of Sa- Becky. Becky Sauerbrunn? No. You mentioned her last night. Uh, Tobin Heath or, or Kristen Press? Tobin Heath. Yeah. Here's the thing, all right? And and I, I, I'm going to be judicious as I say this, okay? A listener, no fault on her. No. The defense. My favorite player was Naomi Gurma the whole tournament. When you get a chance to replay this game, if you so choose so, see the first half. She was the one that was crossing the ball and getting the ball to Trinity Rodman, yeah. who was attacking this team. Yeah, but Trinity Rodman was on an innings uh, innings limit. <laughs> Listen to me. She was on a minutes limit because she was like under the weather, they were saying. Come on. Well, well, I'll get to that. This is why, what, uh, like this week, try to watch the game. We'll speak about it more next week because yeah. I got brief on this, okay? This coach's system is what killed this team. People could say, people could say the rest of the world has caught up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spain certainly is caught up. England certainly is caught up. Mm -hmm. Japan, best team in the tournament. But when you have the firepower the U.S. has on that bench, when you have the amount of players on that bench, and and your moves are... I'm going to bring in Sonic to hold the ball up and stop us from running and attacking the team. I'm not going to get Sanchez or Thompson off the bench in a timely manner. Or or sit Alex Morgan and not allow her to Bingo. take a penalty kick. I mean, come on. Bing. She was the favorite Bing. to win the golden boot, the Ballon d'Or. She was the favorite. Bing. And she's on the bench watching penalty kicks happen. Come on. Hey, here's Here's the other thing, right? You see Sweden, who we played? Yeah. They played 22 out of their 24 members of the team. Mm-hmm. The only two players of that team that did not play more than 20 minutes were the two backup goaltenders for mm. them. Interesting. So everybody got a chance in the game to get a feel for the game. Interesting. Okay? This coach doesn't make subs. Mm-hmm. This coach wants to sit down. This coach wants to... Back to the net, set everything up. No. The America's one advantage for all of these years was we'd go straight on and attack. Yep. Say what you will about Jill Ellis. She let our forwards attack. I like Jill Ellis. I really did. Okay. So that's why this coach is gone because it was once said by Sawa of Japan, whose who's protege, Hanada, is the leading scorer of this tournament, by the way, but I digress. She said this, the only team that could stop America is America. Yep. And America did that. Yep. Getting this coach shackled our offense. Because don't look at the defense through the tournament, one goal allowed. One. Yep. Someone, they brought that one. up in the postgame, right? But you can't win if you can't score. Exactly. That's, that, so, that's the problem. I, I don't know who the next coach is going to be. Good luck to him. This guy, get him on the way out. You try to p- take a free-ranging, 
freewheeling team and put a European style on them, and it shackled us. That's why Europe caught up. But as I speak about defense, kudos to the Liberty. This was a 49-44 game, Coach. And in the second half, they locked down the Aces. Absolutely. You could see Plum and them getting frustrated. Like They were in every passing lane. Only 18 points in the second half. Not third quarter. Not just fourth quarter, the whole second half for the eighth. And that's something that you want to see from the Liberty. And thanks for the call there, Ben. That's something you want to see from the Liberty because they have not really been playing great defense. They could score. They could score like the rest. That is the super team in Brooklyn, by the way. That is the super team. I said it when they when they acquired uh, Brianna Stewart. They could score. Their defense. And and Holly Rowe was interviewing uh, Sabrina Ionescu on, on the way into the, the, the locker room at halftime and asked about the defense. And Ionescu was like, yeah, that's just it. We're playing good team defense. We're playing good team defense. And that's the difference. So if you want to make a bet, I don't know what the odds are. My phone's charging over there. Go check. Go check the odds on the New York Liberty to win, win the championship. Because now that they've added the defensive part of it, I mean, they might be unstoppable. Don, in Linden, New Jersey, you're up on the fan. Yeah, how you doing? Um, it's funny, uh, kind of a Mets call. What a difference 365 days make. All right. I, I know. I believe one weekend, one year ago this weekend, where the Mets on this day had just beaten the Braves to take four out of five and rebuild the lead to six and a half games, which actually went to seven the next day. And now they're 22, 21 games out of first place. And well, it's just hard to believe. You can go from where they were mm-hmm. to where they are. And so fast. And just so fast. So let me just check. Yeah. Let me just verify uh, that. Yeah, the Mets were ahead of the AL East by five and a half games. Um, yeah, this on this on this date last year, yep, they were in first place in the East by five and a half games. And they won the game. So they went back. They started the yeah. series three and a half up. The Braves had cut it, and the Mets took four out of five mm-hmm. to rebuild the lead to six and a half. Incredible. It's just it, That's why one of your earlier callers, who yeah. was a Yankee fan, had said he's sick and tired of being so bad for so long. <laughs> Will you please stop? Your team average has averaged 95 wins a year for the last five years. You won 103 games a couple of years ago. You're in the playoffs every year, but a handful of years in the last 20 years. I mean, please stop. Yeah, it's just it's not good enough though, because this team. I think a lot of people see that the potential. Thanks for the call there, Don. Uh, and the juxtaposition, see, I got it. That's a, that's a word I have trouble with. And the juxtaposition of the Mets just one year ago to now, it's it's a, a, a mind-boggling. You get whiplash looking at it from last year to this year. Uh, but I think the frustration among Yankee fans is the fact that I, 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 don't, I can't pinpoint it exactly, but I want to say that, that Yankee fans feel like their team has the, the resources to win every single year. And some of those resources are misallocated by the general manager. And some of the games are mismanaged by the manager and team. And team is the statistics department and and all that. And there's no feel. There's no feel and there's no fire. I think that's where the frustration comes um, on behalf of the Yankee fan. I think I don't want to speak for, you know, for a whole fan base, but, but that's my best guess. So playoffs... They're not good enough. It's just not going to cut it. We go to Douglas in the Bronx. What's up, Douglas? 
Good evening, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, well, I could be better because, as you mentioned early this morning, didn't kick off very well uh, for the American sports fan. Your crystal ball was correct last night about the women's team. I know, and I hate uh, to be wrong about that. I I just hate uh, that. And the loss today, as devastating as it is, it does make me better appreciate all the past championships because that's how great they were. Yeah. They made those wins look easy. Yep. And it's not easy, right? So, and, and it also goes to show the championship is not a birthright. You got to really earn it. So, yeah. And you mentioned that the Rapino, that smirk she had on her face. I today. didn't like it. Ugh. I, I shuddered to recall. Uh, another guy, another person that had a oh. smirk on his on his face yep. during a crucial time, Josh Donaldson. Uh, oh, how about so. Aroldis Chapman, too? I can't stand yeah, that. Yeah, them, too. Yeah, when he gives up a home run, he had that smirk on his face, too. Yep. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay, on to another disappointing at, uh, person, the athlete in New York, Carlos Rodon. Right. Two indelible images so far with the Yankees. When he blew kisses to the crowd, yep. was, it in, was it Anaheim or Colorado? I forgot which one. Yeah, I uh, but it was on the. It was in that road trip after yeah, that. Yeah, that's bad. Break. That's a bad, bad look. And then him getting pumped up, uh, beating the Mets that that one night. Well, newsflash: the Mets are not exactly a powerhouse these days. <laughs> I could give up one run in six innings Ooh. to the Mets. Yeah, I sorry, sorry Mets. <laughs> but get this: three years ago, uh, after right after the pandemic season, the White Sox non-tendered him. That's how how low he was in that totem pole yeah. in, in baseball realm. Like mm-hmm. he was, he, he just relegated himself to get a $3 million contract for 2021. Then he had that all-star season. That's when it exploded $44 million, two years with the giants. Then he got, he got released and then the jackpot with the Yankees. Yep. Great. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah. Jackpot. Yeah, right. like, we, like the mega millions. He hit the jackpot too. And now his injury, as you said, is a chain reaction. It's a ripple effect. We see Severino now going now to be in the starting okay. rotation. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm also concerned about the bullpen in terms of usage. Yes, they have one of the best ERAs in baseball. But if you, if you look at the other uh, well uh, bullpens around the league, like the Yankees have at least 20, 30 innings more than their competitors. Mm. So they're getting used quite a bit. Like it's, if they get a seven-inning performance – from anyone other than Cole, you got to take advantage of that. So yes. the fact that Rodan, so that's that's a that's a big. Uh, I, I also worry think, there. and Douglas, I got to hit a break here, but thank you for the call. Um, I also think that getting Jonathan the Wise Guy back, he's going to be fresh, so that's going to make a big difference. I think uh, tomorrow he'll be back tomorrow. Brito was optioned to AAA. The Wise Guy was the corresponding move, and Jonathan the Wise Guy is only going to add. He's arguably the best reliever in that Yankee pen, so he'll be fresh, and he's only going to add to them. Uh, speaking of injuries, how – I'm still caught up on this. I'm sorry, but how did the Yankees medical staff miss a concussion diagnosis for over two months? That, to me, Danielle McCartan, is unfathomable for any professional sports organization. But where does one center the blame? Where is the accountability? 877-337-6666. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. As the sun is beginning to set over a beautiful Sunday fun day here in New York City, um, Carlos Rodon out with an injury, a hamstring. Imaging tomorrow will tell if a, if a trip to the IL is uh, is imminent. But I'm not sure if I trust the, the Yankees medical staff all too much, honestly, these days because you know 
speaking about like like Anthony Rizzo, as this story kind of grows and grows, it's it's unfathomable to me how a professional sports organization cannot properly diagnose a concussion or concussion-related symptoms and post-concussion-related symptoms for that matter, too. I mean, the best news is Rizzo has put in or been put on that 10-day IL. And from what I've read, he's considered just, you know, week to week. So for me, this is kind of like twofold. Because if you look at the man's offensive numbers over the past 46 games as compared to his first 53 games up through and including May 28th, the numbers are staggeringly, starkly different. Now, I looked. Batting average, 132. Fell off 132 points. Home runs. He had 11 in the... We'll divide him kind of into halves of the season, of his season. 11 in the first half or so. One after that collision. On base percentage, dropped 105 points. Slugging, dropped 280. OPS, dropped 384. And the batting average on balls in play, dropped 136. So it's like, you know... You could do all those mechanics alterations that they said they were doing. Like You could do all of that, but why not test the health of the player at the same time? Which kind of leads me to my next point. And let me tell you something. I'm a coach, as you know. And as soon as I decide which kids I'm cutting and which kids I'm keeping, before you can go any farther, before you have your first official practices as a team, every one of those kids has to be baseline concussion tested by the athletic trainer. So what does that look like? Well, that looks like your team sitting at their own little desks in a computer lab watching their laptop screens. And they answer a series of questions as images flash, colors flash, patterns occur on the screens. The whole thing takes about, like, I don't know, 20 minutes. Could be shorter based on, you know, the person. But when every kid is done, I get to leave. And the athletic trainer is then left with an automatically generated like neurological baseline score for each and every individual kid. Now, if that student athlete becomes concussed or is thought to have been concussed in or during competition, he or she cannot return to action until they passed that concussion test, meaning their reaction time ultimately is what it tests. Their reaction time based on the computer program is equal to or better than it was prior to the suspected brain injury. Now, this isn't something that my school just you know, likes to do or chooses to do. No, this has been mandated for years by the NJSIAA, which is the New Jersey Interscholastic Athletic Association, which I bring this up because it's wild to me that the Yankees would not have a mechanism like this in place. It would have easily shown that his reaction time became much slower as time went on. And my understanding is that Rizzo passed all the initial tests. I don't know what that means. You know, air quotes on initial tests. I don't know what those were. But they did hold him out for three games after that May 28th date. So he was clearly symptomatic. So how did the Yankees medical staff let him go over two months without retesting him, his baseline? Knowing how poorly he was playing, that, that didn't occur to anybody? And then when he, can, he complained of the, the, the quote-unquote fogginess during the, season, the, the series in Baltimore, you know, he started and played in all three of those games. And Gary Phillips, he asked uh, if there was any consideration of Aaron Boone for not playing Rizzo in that series. Boone said, 
No, that was the answer. No. And all of this happens after the trade deadline. Is there something going on here? Because the Yankees are second on the list of days lost to the injured list. Why is that? When is it acceptable to start really asking some questions of this medical staff? Like, this is beyond baseball. This is this man's health in question here, Rizzo, in the case of Rizzo. I I just, I, I don't, I cannot wrap my head around it. 877-337-6666. We go to Orlando in Brooklyn. You're up next here on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. Big uh, big fan of yours. Me and my wife, we listen to you all the time. Thank you. Danielle, I got a question. Mm -hmm. The Yankees didn't didn't look at Rizzo for two months. Yes. uh, This post-concussion syndrome. Do you think that there might be some liability here? Maybe a lawsuit down the road? This guy doesn't recover from from this injury. This was a superstar player, came here, was the captain of the Cubs, helped them win the World Series, got a tremendous name in the game. He's beloved everywhere he goes. Comes here, he looks like a shell of himself. Where do we go from here as fans? This team looks dead. My wife and I, we go to games all the time. We have season tickets. We're running out there with 196 batting averages. John Carlo, no contact. Josh Donaldson, why did we cut bait with him? I mean, I don't I don't know. The, the pitching staff, we're still running Seve out there. Yep. Given seven, eight runs a game in the first inning. Yep. He's been shelled four games in the first inning, four different times. We're still running them out there. What are we selling to the fans? Are we lying to the fans, knowing deep down inside we don't have a team to really compete? I just want to get your perspective on it. Yeah, thank you. Thank I, I you mean, for taking my call, too. Yeah, Orlando, thank you to you and, and your wife for tuning in. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. You know, I, I think when, when they're asked in their, in their you know, season-end wrap-ups, yeah, look, but look, we had, you know, uh, we made the postseason. Like, they could point to all these other things except for the elephant in the room and be like, listen, it's like I, I think the Yankees have kind of lost sight of the fact that the goal is to win a World Series. I think they've been complacent in the fact that, well, if we make the playoffs, if we make the postseason, you know, it's 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 good enough. I mean, the fannies are still in the seats. We just this locked up this two hundred and twenty five million dollar deal with with a, with a jersey patch, which is ridiculous. I think they see it as more of a business than a passion. These this especially how I think it's a business, you know. And and he even said like in the quote that bothers me is is when he said well you get into the postseason and, and you know anything can happen I'm paraphrasing that but you get into the postseason anything can happen yeah you can get bounced in the first round and it, is, did that accomplish anything so I, I think I, I wish I knew I wish I had the answer I, I love having the answers but that's the the best I can offer on there eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six we go to Rob in the Bronx. You're up next here on the fan, Rob. Hey, good morning. Uh, good evening, Danielle. <laughs> How are hey, you? Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Pretty good, pretty good. Hey, uh, thank you for taking the call. Yeah, thanks so much. I, I just got three things. I got yeah. three things to say. Um, just three points that I want to make. Okay, so uh, full disclosure, I'm a Yankee fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yankee fan is 88. So 
the Yankees now are becoming like the Mets. Uh, with the Mets, everyone every, all the time I was every complain about the Mets, the medical staff, that uh, Rojas, I think it was Rojas, Doctor Rojas at one time. Mm-hmm. Everybody was complaining about him, and, and the Yankees are becoming a, a sideshow. But no one is talking about that part. Yeah. And they just continue bringing in fans with with the bobbleheads. They're going to have Roger Maris uh, yep. interlocking with uh, with with Judge. Yeah. So everyone could go right. Yeah. So, then the second point, Boone says. Wait, 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 Rob. Let me just tell you this. Well, then you. And on the other hand, too, you got the Mets bringing back Bartolo Colon uh, in September for Bartolo Colon Day. I mean, they're just trying to put fans in the seats. It's obvious. It, it, exactly, but they're becoming a sideshow. But no one is. No one is really criticizing for that. Now, now the other part is, um, Boone says he was short. So in, in the bullpen. So you're telling me you got you have relievers can't go two innings. Two winnings. These guys are getting paid all this money. And then the third point that I want to make, and I'll hang up, as a retired Marine and retired law enforcement well, thank officer. Thank you for your service. You're telling, thank you, thank you, ma'am. But are you going to tell me that Anthony Rizzo has no accountability for saying to, to the organization, hey, I cannot do this. I don't feel good. I cannot win. I cannot go out there and give you 100%. Yeah. I know when I was in Iraq and Afghanistan, if I was, wasn't feeling good, I was like, hey, I'm not going on patrol. I, I cannot go on patrol. I'm not going to jeopardize. But no. So where is Anthony Rizzo's responsibility or accountability in this fogginess or whatever? He yeah, has? yeah, yeah. I think it's just a bunch of crap. So I, that's the part. His, not the Yankees. I want to see where he says, hey, I don't feel good. But no, he wants to go out there for his numbers. And, and I get it. But he has to be held accountable. Because as a, as a law enforcement officer and a military Marine, no, that's not happening. Yeah. They tell us they tell us every service member is responsible for their career. Just like every player should be responsible for their career. Not for the organization. Sure. That's it. Thank you very much, man. Yeah, appreciate Rob, it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again for your service. Yeah, I appreciate the point you're trying to make there. I don't know and there I, as I watched the press conference. It was it was a compelling press conference actually. The Anthony Rizzo one was. And I don't think he was asked if he had mentioned anything prior to the Orioles series. Now, I don't think he was running out there to pad his numbers because, quite honestly, I went through them. His numbers were awful. The more he went out there, the more they dropped. I don't think that was the, the, the scenario. I think I think he's a gamer. I, I think he's he's a passionate player, and I think he's a gamer. And I think, you know, unless he was told not to, I, he was going out there to play. I, I don't think anybody asked him, and, and maybe I'll get a chance. I'm going to try to go uh, next week, I think, but... If he's in there, hey, hey, Anthony, did you com- did you mention anything about fogginess or your health prior to the Orioles series? That's something I'll ask him. Because you're right, it's it's on the player at times. He said he was going to bed sober and feeling up, feel, waking up feeling like, like he was hungover. Well, that that's that's not normal, you know. Like that's not normal. So yeah, I, I don't know. And if I get the chance to ask him, I, I promise you that I will. You know that. All right, 877-337-6666. We got a full bracket calls. I see you. I appreciate you. We'll do a quick break here and a quick turnaround about the Yankees, the Mets, and the U.S. Women's National Team. And hopefully you want to talk about New York Liberty, the who took down the number one team, the Aces, earlier today at Barclays Center. A lot on the table for you. I'm with you till 9 right here on The Fan. I know you want it. Funny story here. I, I actually went and saw and met Robin Thicke uh, in Vegas at uh, the Cosmopolitan Pool Party in Vegas. It was him. It was Sammy Adams. Met them both. And you know who was there? Tied into sports because that's what I do. 
Um, I tied, I'm going to tie this into sports by saying we had like these really nice like seats. And if you look to the left, there is this guy sitting in this, you know, uh, couches area, you know, with like a table and stuff with like bodyguards all around them. Huge guys all around. I'm like, but you couldn't see who the guy was. So me being me, of course, I, I walked over and I said to the big guy, you couldn't see me. They were like six feet. No, not even. They were like bigger than uh, six, eight or so maybe. And they were big, big, big guys. And they were like shoulder to shoulder. And I was like trying to peek between their shoulders. Like, who's in there? Who's in there? So uh, I actually said, hey, who's in there? <laughs> and and this is, you know, this is at the Cosmopolitan, nice hotel, the pool party out there, Marquee Nightclub was outside. And um, I said, who's in there? And the guy looked at me. He looked down at me. He was very nice. I guess he couldn't say anything, but he just kind of like moved ever so slightly to one side. And this is at a Robin Thicke show, by the way. He moved ever so slightly away from the shoulder of the guy next to him. I said, is that Floyd Mayweather? And he was like, he nodded his head like in the slightest little way. Floyd Mayweather was the tiniest guy I ever seen in my life. So every time I kind of hear that that song by Robin Thicke, it brings me back to that pool party that night and just seeing at nighttime Floyd Mayweather sitting there in a black T-shirt, muscles out, wearing sunglasses at I, he wears his sunglasses at night. But it, that was cool. That was that was cool. So anyway, just uh, Connor's taking me back through uh, memory lane there. 877-337-6666 in the order that you call. We go to line one again. Josh in the Bronx, you're up on the fan. Um. I'm telling you, Danielle, you win your stories. They're really entertaining. <laughs> uh, you know what, but, Josh? I just love getting out and like doing things. So, like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of stories to tell. Okay, very quickly. Number one, I think that the Liberty has a better shot of winning a championship than the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA. Oh, for number sure. Two, number two, Mr. Cortez. Aaron Judge, and Derek Cole. You know, those are my untouchables. Do whatever you want with the rest of the Yankees. Yeah. Now, as far as that medical thing goes, I think Major, I think Bob Manford should check the New York Yankees out. And if they have to strip Mr. Steinbrenner of his ownership, do so. Come on, man. Baseball has to crack down on this, yeah, just they're, like they're, football did. I know, I know, Josh, but they're not going to. They're not going to sh- yeah. tell. They're not going to force him to sell the team. I mean, they're going to maybe yeah. if they do get involved, they're going to you know have an eye on their medical staff a little bit closer than any of the other teams. In if they do, or maybe find them, just you know, do something. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Daniel, for taking my call. Thanks. Have a great night. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Rob Manford getting in in there and doing a little investigation wouldn't hurt anybody. Actually, I think that's a great idea because you had a man that was concussed or post-concussion syndrome for, for over two months, and they didn't do anything about it. If my high school has baseline testing, there's no way the New York Yankees don't have baseline testing, right? I mean, right? Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Down to Camden we go. Kevin's up on the fan. Coach, I'm going to make this quick about the Mets because I want to go out off, off on the Yankees. Uh, like I, last night, you're not going to win with Showalter as your manager. Never. You're just not. Nope. I no mean, no team has. He, he reminds me of Thibodeau. When you play who you want 
and then you bench, you, you bench when you don't. And that's why Vientos hasn't played a lot this year. And that's why he's thinking up with the opportunity to kick now because he's not going to get consistent reps, which is a, a, on the owner's, on, on him. So that's, you're not going to win with the Mets. Well, yeah, and because, I'm not because, confident for next year. Right, but Kevin, if they, he starts playing, a, I mean, I, I think I think they're 0-6 since the trade deadline, but he feels in his mind that if he plays the young guys, it's an automatic L. So he's going to keep those uh, those guys in there, DJ Stewart and, and, and Danny Mendick. And, yep. Come on, come on. Yep. And real quick, the Yankees, um, you talk about Rizzo, and I'm going to go back to one of your older shows because I've, I've listened to every single one of them because I've been a part of almost all of them. Yeah. Negligence. You used this word once before and a few years back. Negligence. That's the word you used. So I think it's also about the Yankees. And that's basically what, it's, what it is about Rizzo. Negligence on the organization but not even knowing. They should know this. And, I mean, that's just it's – on, it's, on it's on the organization. And real quick about Rodon, well, I only got one thing to say. I knew you were trouble when you walked in because basically <laughs> Taylor Swift, I love we, that. We we knew this was gonna happen. You said it, I said it, and now it's true. I mean, that should have been played in the open. That should have been the song in the open today because the, it, that is so fitting and so apropos. But you know what? It, it just and you, you know you're probably not gonna see him back until maybe late September. I I have just zero faith in him, and I just oh, the Yankee. How do you not even address the deadline? You don't even get a bat. You you get Spencer Howard within Triple A, and then you get Kenyon Middleton. I was yep. like, you know, the Mets at least they sold off, but the Yankees did absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? I mean, I, I just I both. That's why I'm ready to pull off because both baseball teams. I'm just at my wits. I'm at my wits end here. Yeah, it's frustrating, right? Uh, obviously, it's very frustrating, Kevin. And thanks for the call there. Appreciate the passion coming through the phone there. But yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, what is the one problem? I mean, I know the pitching kind of failed the Yankees today, but the bats failed them more. And they said, nope, we're good. We're just going to roll with what we have. Really? Really? I thought that was a wrong move. Uh, but, hey, what are you going to do? And uh, as far as the Mets and the, and the whole sell-off there, that's, that's that's again, you know my feelings on that. They were six and a half games out with plenty of, I, I, I don't know. I just I'm tired of seeing the like no one's going to the ballpark to see Danny Mendick. That is not putting a fanny in the seat at City Field. Where is Ronnie Mauricio? Where is he? We go to Ray in Waterbury, Connecticut. What's up, Ray? Hi, Danielle. Great show as usual. Thank you. About the Mets again. At this moment, they're going to head right to the cellar. Because they're only about a game and a half ahead of Washington. Washington's playing pretty good. With, this, with the roster that they have right now after the sell-off, they are horrible. And I, and I, and I can live with that. But, but they chose to do this. They chose, I mean, mm-hmm. Steve Cohn chose to eat the money and to get prospects. That's fine. But don't punish us. We're going to watch two months of horrible baseball, mm-hmm. Danielle. Oh, but you don't got Bartolo Colon Day. Are you going to that? <laughs> the thing about it is, don't punish us. You chose to do that, and you and you're loaded with money. Go out and and spend the money. I'm not saying you have to get Otani now. I'm not saying that, but don't tell us you're you're scaling back. You we got to watch two months of of horrible baseball because you chose to do that. That's fine, but go don't punish us. Go out and spend the money in the off season and put out a good team. Yeah, and and they've already said that pretty much that they're not really going to go out mm. and go for it, all gung ho for mm. it, which that's crazy to me. Maybe that's a, yeah. a bargaining tech tactic. I hope it is. I don't know. Mm. You know, 
uh, hopefully, what what they'll see is they'll, they'll, they're going to they're going to wind up in a cellar. Hopefully, the fans don't come out to watch this the next two months, and they'll get the message. Yeah, and Ray, and and that's the second time for the second different team that someone has suggested, you know, don't go to the ballpark. It's just that's just not feasible. It's it's there's always going to be fannies in the seats. That's how it is. People are always going to be watching. It's you know the tickets are probably going to go way far down in price. You can if you're a family of four, maybe you're you're like wow, I'm, I can finally afford to take my family of four to one of these games, and it's not going to cost me my a second mortgage. So, no, I think it's opportunistic for people that don't usually get out to games to go. And they'll enjoy it just as much. I don't know, but all points are well taken. Right. And I don't want to hear about the prospect hall of this Mets either. I don't want to hear it because I know I have to get the break here. But right now, the Mets have five prospects in the in Major League Baseball's, like, as determined by Major League Baseball's pipeline, uh, the top 100. They've got five guys in that top 100 pipeline. Guess how many of them were there before this year's trading deadline? Three. They've added two top 100 prospects, and in, like, the later. So, like, don't talk to me about this great haul and everything. And and not to mention you got a manager that is very resistant to playing any sort of young talent. 877-337-6666. We've got a quick break of Pete McCarthy update. I'm back with you right at the top of this, the 8 p.m. hour in the final hour. Welcome back to the fan in the final hour of McCartan or uh, whatever, Danielle at dinner time. I don't know what to call it now. We're in the in-between here. My name is Daniel McCartan, hanging with you again till 9 p.m. And um, I know maybe you were tuned in last night. And if you weren't, I've got a story for you. Uh, And if you don't have an Instagram... Now might be the time to create one. And if uh, you do have an Instagram, go ahead and follow at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I've got something to give you. All right? I'll tell you when. But go ahead and get it all set up. Um, If you give me a few minutes. And, um, again, this is the same story I told last night. I know there's a different audience between last night and tonight. Uh, I I have to, um, again, issue you an apology on behalf of myself and of a major current New York athlete in our city. And um, if you were listening yesterday, again, it's the same story. So please just give me the two or three minutes here because it's got the same outcome. So you're going to like it. So again, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Instagram. Click follow right now. And uh, hang tight. Last Sunday afternoon, I-, I told you, I walked out of this studio and I had been working for over a month with the PR guy of a major professional basketball player in town. And I pre-submitted my questions just as he wanted me to. And not a single question was denied by the PR dude, nor by the athlete. And I was kind of surprised because there were some questions I was like, "Hmm, I don't know if they're going to like that one too much, but hey, you have to ask it, right? That's my responsibility. And uh, when I have big interviews like this, I call up my trusty professional camera guy who even brought a helper with him this time. It was a very special occasion. And I could tell you now that that athlete that I was supposed to talk to last Sunday was Julius Randle. And the plan was to do a sit-down interview followed by this little informal Q&A type shoot-around, actually. And I can tell that's why I posted last week that I was uh, dusting off the rust, uh, that I was went to, found a basketball court by where I live, and, and I was dusting off the rust. 
because you can't be rusty if you're going to go play with Julius Randle, right? So to make a very short, a long story, very short and compact with a rack full of callers waiting on hold to talk and con- to contribute in, in, in to my show in the best way um, that they know how. I left here. I drove all the way across town, met my two camera guys, met the PR guy, and introduced myself to Julius Randle. Uh, I shook his hand. He was like, very smiley, very kind. He has huge hands. And I said, hey, how, you know, how's the ankle? Ready for our shoot around? And he was like, yeah, feels good. Uh, I think I'm going to have to f- shoot flat-footed. I said, that's fine. That's cool. I said, I, I, even it, I pointed to my shoes. I was like, I even wore my high school basketball shoes. And he laughed. And he said, all right, talk to you in a little bit. Well, that little bit never happened last Sunday. Julius was insistent for about 90 minutes that he wanted to do the interview with me. It was a sit-down, I told you. Nick's PR pushed against it, pushed against it, insisted against it. And, I mean, maybe it's just me. But I'm confused why this interview could not move forward because I remember Jim Dolan, who's the owner of MSG Sports, sat in this very studio in this very chair and talked to our afternoon drive hosts. So if eight months ago the owner could sit in this very chair in this very studio – why can't I sit with Julius Randall and do a very nice, thorough interview? As you have come to expect from me, and rightfully so, a very fair interview. I was confused that day. I was confused yesterday when I told you about this the first time, and I'm still confused, quite frankly. So after 90 minutes of waiting around, Nick's PR crushed it, and all of us went home. And I must tell you that Julius Randall felt very bad about the entire thing, that he signed some 8 by 10s for me to give out to you. So... Here's the second one. Uh, Open up Instagram. Take a look at my feed. And the first person to reply with the correct answer to the post that I just clicked share on gets an autographed 8x10 from Julius Randle. The question is, maybe you don't want to participate. Maybe you just, you know, want to, you like trivia, whatever. Okay. What number overall draft picked? was Julius Randle in the 2014 NBA draft. So hopefully we get a winner here very shortly. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got plenty more to send out over the next couple of days all over my social channels. The next one's going to be on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Uh, not tonight, though. Um, but uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Just waiting for... Waiting for a response here. Correct response. What number overall draft pick was Julius Randle in the 2014 NBA draft? First person to respond on Instagram, on my Instagram, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. We'll get it. And I realize that there's a delay. (laughs) There's a delay. (laughs) Uh, Let's see if anybody's gotten it yet. We've got, uh, yeah, we've, we've got plenty of right answers here. Okay, let me just scroll, 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 scroll. Let me make sure I got the right person here. All right, we've got one. Max Nussbaum, underscore 31. You're the winner. You are the first to get it in 18 seconds ago. Max Nussbaum, underscore 31. You're the winner. Please DM me your mailing address. If not, you can email me at uh, danielle.mccartan at odyssey.com. And... If he doesn't get back to me really quickly, we're going to the next person. So be, be heads up, everybody. 877-337-6666. We go out to uh, Tom in Greenwich, Connecticut. What's up, Tom? 
Hi, Danielle. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for making it. All right. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've been a Yankee fan my whole life. I'm 68 years old. I've seen the good times and bad times with the Yankees. And uh, now I'm of the mindset that uh, the Steinbrenner should just sell the team. I, it's I, never going to happen. I understand, but that's what I feel should happen because um, I'm sick of hearing them talk about the analytics, Boone, Cashman, this and that. Mm-hmm. The whole team's the whole team's a mess. Um, three quarters of the infield's in their mid to late thirties. Judge is playing her, which is questionable if he should even be playing or not. But they do want to sell tickets, and um, you know I don't like the little advertisement on the sleeve that they just came out with. Yep. They really don't need the, they really don't need the, the money, um, the extra money. Like you say, they're drawing forty thousand people a game. They draw from the tri-state area. They have a huge fan base. And um, they are running it like a business with uh, very little interest in winning a World Series, in my opinion. What do you think? <laughs> Excuse me. I just uh, I just choked on, on air there, Tom, and thanks for the call. Uh, I think they're content with just making the postseason. That's it. And and to suggest that, that the Steinbrenners should sell the team, it's never going to happen. It's a family business. It's already bequeathed to the next generation of Steinbrenners. So it's not happening. It's never going to happen. I think they're happy with where they're at making the playoffs pretty much every year, making the postseason pretty much every year. And like you said, there's fannies in the seats at all times. You know, uh, Tuesday nights, they have they draw a bigger crowd than, than most on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday afternoon even. So they're fine. They're fine with status quo, and that's maddening. That is maddening. Richard in Manhattan, you're up next on The Fan. Uh, Danielle, the Yankees don't play baseball, winning baseball. They don't manufacture runs. They're boring. They're terrible. This is to get, get 13, 12 walks, a hit batter, and eight hits, and you lose the game at home. Yep. Man, that's ridiculous. Yep. And the Mets, forget about it. I see in the post that Cohen is writing letters. He's going to, to, if, if you were so sure in what you were doing, you don't have to write letters. You're a billionaire owner. You don't have to write letters to the fans. I wonder what they're going to do with their season ticket holding prices next year. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I could just imagine what's going to happen with that. But, imagine? Uh, what do you think? They're, they're going to go up or down? What do you think? <laughs> they better go down. It might be the record for the lowest, <laughs> the biggest decrease in uh, sick. Who's going to go? You'd have to be crazy to go to these uh, Met games now. If they're not trying, why would you try? It's awful. Danielle, I think the women today played a great game. They did. And I really don't think they lost. The goaltender for Sweden was fantastic. Three goals she, she saved. It was, uh, it was a yeah, great but, game. Yeah, but the goaltender for Sweden was fantastic in regulation. Sophia Smith, I believe it was, had that game won on a PK. The Swedish goalie went one way. She kicked it the other and missed the entire yeah. goal right. for the win. Right. Come on! That, that, that can happen. It happens. But uh, during regulation, the U.S. had the better advantage. I love that girl, uh, Rodman's daughter. Yeah. Oh, I thought she was. I don't know why she came out. She was playing great. She was. Uh, her, they, she was hurt. They said she was on yeah. a minutes limit. She got well. She did a lot of jumping and falling on the ground. She was. You know, it's ironic. Her mother is Swedish. Oh yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, I remember. I've got Rodman's girlfriend in the very beginning before uh, Tom and Electra. She was a Swedish model, and uh, oh, that girl was she was fantastic. Yeah, and it would have been great if the United States. Can you imagine? And I agree with you. Japan is a favorite now, but Japan, United States on Friday morning. Oh, that would have been unbelievable. I know. I know. That and actually, been... I'm working Friday morning, so I would have been here live doing it. How cool oh. is that? 
Wow, we would have had so much to, I mean, I feel like when the Rangers lost and the Knicks lost, because even though they were not liked, and I, I didn't like the U.S. team until today, uh, that added a lot to it because you wanted to watch them and see how bad they do fall on their face. So some of me wanted to see them fall on their face. What? But, well, because of the way they act, especially after Portugal. I hate, Danielle, after a team loses or something. Well, they didn't lose, but tied. They don't give credit to the other team. Yeah. And it's all about them. Well, we didn't do this. And we talked this. about we this did- yesterday, though. I, I, I didn't get a chance to go back and look. I mean, even, like, even Alex Morgan or Julie Ertz, like, they didn't give credit to the other team? Not I really, just, no, no. I Only Carly Lloyd on the, on the screen was saying uh, they were lucky that that ball hit the post. So that, that's the part. I don't mind them celebrating, dancing, acting goofy. And, that's fine. But after a game, you've always got to give the other team their credit. Mm-hmm. Always. Win or lose. Yeah. And mm-hmm. say they played a good game. They beat us or they didn't For beat sure. us. They gave up. Always. Number one thing. I don't know why they're not taught this. Everyone should do this. You never, never not do I mean, that. And Richard, I, when we when, – thanks for the call there, Richard. When we – we're making the state run with our volleyball team. Our the, the head coach, he sat all the girls down and he was like, here's how you handle, if a reporter comes up to you after the game, here's how you handle it. The first thing you say is you credit the other team. Like, that's being instilled in high school. So I'd have to go back and look at those. I just can't find it very hard to believe that. that veterans like Alex Morgan and Julie Ertz and, and, and even Megan Rapino wouldn't have done that. I don't know, but... Uh, this is they played their best game today, and unfortunately, uh, it wasn't good enough. The team is not good enough. The coach, especially, is not good enough. Unfortunately, and Sophia Smith, to me, has been a disappointment. She's supposed to be, you know, the future of this team. Disappointment. She had the entire goal to hit. She sailed it. It didn't touch anything. Nothing for the win. And then, and Alex Morgan was on the bench. Vladko had Alex Morgan, well, not literally on the bench. They were arm-in-arm on the field, on the pitch. But why not give Alex Morgan a chance there to score? She was the favorite to win the Ballon d'Or in this tournament. Mind-numbing, actually. Let's go to Steve in Colonia. You're up next here on The Fan. Hey, how's it going? Love Great, how are you? Show, Thank you. Course. You know, um, I know you're an athlete and a female athlete. And it's hard for a guy my age, I'm you know up there, to like, you know, talk about a lot of female sports because I wasn't raised on female sports. But That's okay, but you're doing it now. Yo, I, I am. I watched this morning. I mm-hmm. got up early and I watched. I love that. One thing I could say is that I don't think, you know, all these other things, it happens in all sports where when you win a lot, the team starts to disintegrate. You can see it in football all the time. I'm a football fan. We know that when someone wins the Super Bowl, the next year things are not going to go as well for some reason. Either contract or big heads or swollen heads or personalities. But in this case, I really believe beyond all the behaviors and what people are talking about, the national anthem and uh, I, I, not singing. I, that, and I don't that. want. I, there's no room for that on my show. We talk about what happens. That's on what that I pitch. agree. I agree with that. I'm just saying beyond yeah. all that, I just believe the rest of the world is catching up. Yeah, and you're it, not it, wrong. It, 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 the handwriting is kind of on the world. Now, when you really think of all the countries in the world, let me just say, like, say a hundred to make math easy. Sure. Only forty of them could actually do what we do in this country and other countries in the Western where you can start soccer young, yeah. you can play into your 20s, because yep. a lot of countries in the world, they're married and having children by the time they're 17 and 18 years old, mm-hmm. or they're not allowed in their country to even touch a soccer ball, right. or they don't have the equipment or the time or the mother and father to drive them to tournaments all around the country. Correct. So we had an edge all along, and the rest of the world 
is catching up. Mm-hmm. So they may be taking a fall, not only for what everyone else sees them as, you know, not doing this, but in my view of it, I think the world is catching up. And if you could make one more analogy, I know people are waiting on the line. Think of the AMA fighting stuff, which I don't really enjoy, but a guy who won 20 matches five years, 10 years ago, yeah. wouldn't even stand a chance to get in the ring now because the competition level is so much higher. So you may have been a hero like these old guys, you know, 10 years ago, even McGregor and them. When they get back in the ring now, the competition level, you're not going to win 25 matches like you did then. Right. And competition catches up. That's and that's right. what's happening now, you know. Yep. And it may be a good thing. Maybe we have to step up and equal the competition, including coaches, yep. team members, and attitude. And when you put it all together, that's when you get a winner again. Yeah. No, Steve, you're you're right on. You're right on there. And even Alex Morgan talked to that point after, I believe, the Portugal game. She was like, the world is catching up, and that's that's a good thing. I talked to Jill Ellis, who was in, in, in April. I went out to San Diego. She's now the president of the San Diego Wave. I talked to her about that, too. You know, They just they signed the youngest player in NWSL history. The girl was like 17, and she was playing, which is a great thing. And you even look at, at, at one of the, the women on the Swedish team. She plays for, for that team, the San Diego Wave. So it, the, the competition around the world has improved. And I hope this is a wake-up call to this team. And I hope Alex Morgan and Julie Ertz are going to be around to see it next time around and, and lead this team in the way that it needed to be leaded. Man, missing Carly Lloyd, Tobin Heath, and Kristen Press. Big time. And Becky Sauerbrunn, too. Big time. All right, 877-337-6666. I love the infusion of women's sports. I love that. And, of course, the Mets and the Yankees both lost today, although Liberty did win against the number one team in the WNBA. All of that is on the table. It's been a fun show. Let's keep it rolling for the next 40 minutes. My name is Danielle McCartan. With you till 9, you're on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCartan, and that's Connor Green behind the glass doing an excellent job, as always. Lincoln Park on the ones and twos, by the way. It's been a dismal day around here for New York sports, except if you're a WNBA fan. New York Liberty won today, big. Yet, the Yankees had the chance. The Astros kept giving the Yankees chance after chance after chance. Five times, in fact. They tried handing the game to the Yankees, and the Yankees were like, nah, we're not going to take it. We're good. Like, what? And Carlos Rodon, the injury enigma. Again, goes out in third inning with a hamstring this time. Not the forearm, not the back that kept him out till July 7th. No, this time it's the hamstring. And he was adamant after the game that he feels fine, but he's going for testing tomorrow, and we'll have to wait and see. In a pitching rotation that is just decimated, absolutely decimated. I mean, Herman out for the year, deservingly so. I never want to see that man in pinstripes ever again. You've got Severino, awful. Awful. So I don't know. I, I I you know I got some tweets before at Coach M C C A R T A N uh, with some wordplay on the last name Rodon. Manny V calls him robust. Michael and Jerry calls him Rodon. D O N E. And uh, Sonny from Montclair says I was with you on Rodon. I've said he's Javi Vasquez 2.0 signing flyball pitcher for Yankee Stadium. Mistake from Jump Street. This is gonna be a long six years. Thanks, Cashman. Don't say I didn't warn you. 877-337-6666. Michael in Berkeley Heights. You're up on the fam. Yeah, hi. I've never heard your program before, but I like it. Thank you. 
Um, I want to say a couple of things. Um, first, don't people realize that, that nobody's allowed to manage anymore except for Dusty Baker? They're sent down what they're supposed to do from the analytics department, and they have to follow them. Because the, the reason Dusty Baker was allowed to take the Houston job is he said, I'll take it under one condition. Mm-hmm. That there was no analytics involved, and they and they wanted to give it to him because they at that point in time they wanted to, you know, put some a, a good mark. I guess I don't know what I'm saying, but like a good mark on their on their name. You know, they, right. they, and, you know, because they just came out of the cheating scandal. Dusty Baker was an upstanding person, and yeah. So so, so they were going to really push any sort of control over that for the, for him. Well, see, the thing is that. Whoever's managing it, like, Buck Showalter doesn't manage the way he's, they're managing now. That's just ridiculous. And uh, because they're controlled. They're controlled by the general managers who think they know everything. And I just want to say one other thing. I yeah. know you get other callers. People go crazy because Severino's not pitching well. He didn't lose his stuff. There's so much pressure on him right now. And all these people calling up saying, get rid of him, get rid of him. Well, he'll go to another team. Somebody will see what he's doing wrong. And he'll win again. Well, Michael, here's the thing. Fine. No one's called here and said get rid of Severino, just for the record. And neither have I. However, you've got a man that cannot get it done. He can't get the job done. And now the, the, the domino effect of this is he probably wasn't making his Wednesday start. Let's be honest. He was probably going to be relegated to a bullpen role on that day, and it would have been the right choice. I feel that the Yankees have given him a lot of leeway, a lot of runway, and he just couldn't deliver. So now with this Rodon injury, my assumption is going to be, well, they they, they already optioned Johnny Brito. Johnny Brito was going to be making the start in place of Severino on Wednesday. And now they've optioned him back to AAA. So it can't be Johnny Brito. It's going to have to be Severino again. That's going to be a really difficult game. He, you know, he was asked, is it, is it mechanical or is it mental? And well, I don't know if he was asked, but maybe I was reading something. It's mechanical and mental. There's no doubt about it. The man has lost his stuff. The preparation is different from a starting pitcher. He might, it might benefit him by being in a bullpen role, relegated to a bullpen role. It might benefit him. But now, Carlos Rodon, another body part of his, he is injured. Something I told you about December 3rd, 2022. Warned you about. I went back to my notes. And now there's another body part that's that's not you know not working on Carlos Rodon. It's not the forearm this time. It's not the back. It's now the hamstring. And that keeps the, the rest of the starting pitching rotation in flux. That's a problem. That's a problem for this Yankees team. Robust, Rodun, huh? 877-337-6666. We go to Mo in Brooklyn. What's up there, Mo? Good evening, Danielle. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing good. I really shouldn't be getting myself so worked up about it. The more I think about the Yankees, the more I'll look worse than Stanton trying to score from second base. Oh, my God. But, I know. Oh, Brutal. How great's the last three years of that contract going to look? Yeah. Um. So I, I, I just some food for thought that that I was thinking about today, watching Rodon walk the ballpark and then get hurt, was that we would never be in the situation had Cashman been willing to trade a two ten hitting shortstop to 
to Cincinnati last year for Luis Castillo. Yes. We would never be in this situation. Well, the, we, the Luis what Castillo, happened? you're right, and I, I was an advocate of that trade in my package when I was on when it was you know you know still apropos to talk about. My package included Glaber Torres for him. Would you make the trade today? I think I would. Absolutely. Think about it. What happened was Cashman shopped in his favorite 99 cent store in Oakland. He ended up getting Frankie Montas, who stinks and also always hurts, of damaged goods. So now because of that this year, they had to sign Rodan. Who's always hurt and not, not and now ineffective, and they could have had either Benintendi or Masataka Yoshida on left field. Yeah, all these things happened because Cashman refused to part with his prized two ten hitting shortstop prospect. Well, and here's the other thing too, though he was I, I read and that he was on a budget when when he went into to to get a left fielder this year. He was on a budget, is what I read. The word budget and Yankees in the same sentence. What? Right. And if he traded for Castillo, he would have had money for the left fielder. It's be, it's only because he flopped on not trading for Castillo and then trading for Montas. Well, I, I don't know about, about the math adding up there because the shortstop prospects are making next to nothing. Glaber Torres is not – He's. I think he's still in arbitration. He, he didn't get a new deal yet. So I don't, right, I don't, but, the math to me doesn't add up that way. But prospect-wise, I, I, I would have done it. I still would have done it. No, what I mean by math is is that he had to spend all the money on Rodon, and he had no oh. money left over for a left fielder. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, 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 yes. I got you. Yep, you're right. All right, have a great night. Thank yeah. you for the time. Mo, you're not wrong. You're not wrong on that. $162 million six-year deal goes to Carlos Rodon, and, and you don't have a left fielder. And you had the perfect left fielder, Benintendi. He was the perfect fit, and yet, no, he's not playing. He's not playing for the Yankees. Not this year. I don't understand it. Oh, we go to Philip in Jamaica, Queens. You're up next here, Philip. Hello, thank you uh, for taking my call. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thanks about for making sports. it. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Mets. Um, look, I have no problem with the Mets to, to get prospects, but here's what the problem I have with. I don't. I'm not one of those people who feel you should get the best player, best player available. I I feel you should. Focus. If you have a weakness, focus on that weakness. You well, have to improve the weakness. Well, here's the thing, too. But and, if if you're very high up, like I think of the NFL draft, I'm not passing on, let's say, Sauce Gardner because I need an interior lineman. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, I, I subscribe to that as well. However, if you're very high up in your pickings and all that, then, then you have to get best available and you make it work. Yeah, but here's the problem I have with the Mets. Did. The prospects they got, they got infielders, they got outfielders who the Mets have. What are they going to do about the pitching? I don't think in any of the deals the Mets made, they got one pitching prospect. And if you're not going to get the free agent pitchers, what are you going to do about the – a lot of fans called about that. What are you going to do about the pitching next year? You're going yes. to throw Peterson yep. and McGill? Quintana and – Yeah, not one prospect they got, I think, in those deals they made was pitching. And I think at least get one or two pitching prospects instead of infielders and outfielders. Uh, so what are they going to do about pitching in, in the next year? Well, that's the thing. And, and Philip, that's a great point. Because the Mets next year, see, I, I would have held on to Verlander. That's just me. I would have held on to Verlander to be my anchor of my rotation next year. I would have. But they didn't. And now their pitching rotation, as of right now for next year, Senga, Carrasco's an unrestricted free agent. He's gone. I'm sure he's gone. he'll be gone. So Senga, 
Quintana, uh, I guess McGill, Peterson, and ooh, I don't know. So the Mets have now backed themselves into corner where the entire league knows that they are uh, they're going to be looking for pitching. And they can they cannot enter the season next season with that pitching staff, that pitching rotation. They just can't. So the, everybody knows it. So they're going to be asking for a lot, the, the pitchers, you know, from the Mets. Oh yeah, let's let's give them the New York surcharge. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the Mets have backed themselves into a corner, and even on the trade then uh, the trade market, it may be in the winter. Everybody knows they need it, so the price is going to be driven up by it. I agree. And the prospects, can we stop lauding these prospects? Only two of them that they got are in MLB's top 100 pipeline. Only two of them. 17-year-old on the international money, international pipeline, he's 47 out of 50. He's 17. Come on. 877-337-6666. Uh, we have to take a quick break here. We'll continue with these. Let's, we opened up a can of Mets worms. That's cool. Mets, Yankees, U.S. Women's National Team, whatever else you want to talk about. Uh, I did just get a text message. My uh, We were talking last night about my, my softball team, my Phillies that I play on. No, I didn't pick the name. I just got a text. We got the playoff seedings. Um, I'll give you my thoughts on that. Moving forward as well. Danielle McCartan with you here till 9 when Lori Rubinson will come your way then. Welcome back to the fam. My name is Danielle McCartan. In this final segment, we have a full rack of calls, so I do want to get to those. However, uh, I did get, and I, I was talking about my softball team last night. I play on the Phillies. No, I didn't pick the name. They picked me. Uh, but we made the playoffs. That's the good news. The first, top four seeds out of the six teams make the playoffs. Uh, this is new news. Uh, this is new news to me. And, uh... I thought last night, I said last night that I thought we were going to get the three seed. We got the four seed. Not crazy about that. But, although we got the four seed, we did get the matchup that I was hoping we'd get. We're, we're playing the Mariners, which we, they're the first place team, but we that's the game we tied on in the rain-shortened one, and then we lost. We just ran out of steam and lost. I think we've got a good shot. So, it's supposed to pour tomorrow. We'll see. And then we, they said we're, we might be trying to get the field on Tuesday in case of rain. So Wednesday morning, I'm working the overnight, so I'll be back here at 2 a.m. on Wednesday to tell you about how we did, whether we play on tomorrow or on Tuesday. But uh, oh, the group chat, the team group chat's going nuts now. <laughs> 877-337-6666 is the number to call. We've got Dave in Pomona. You're up next here on The Fan. Uh, hello, and uh, good luck to you on your softball. Team, Thanks. Lovely. Thanks. And uh, now I want to uh, before I get to Buck Shore, this thing about Cologne, they're going to give him a day. Is that right? Who's it? Cologne? Yeah, Cologne, uh, the, the pitcher. Oh, Bartolo I... Cologne. Oh, Bartolo I thought, Cologne. For yes. a second, I thought you meant Rodon for a second. Oh, no. Yeah, Carlos Rodon. I kind of mushed him into one. Yeah, they're giving him a day in September. Oh, Bartolo Cologne Day. The only days the Mets fans are interested in, they retired number eight and number five. That's all. Yeah, no, it's uh, Gar- September Gary 17th. Carter, they should call Gary Carter's widow, invite her family down, and retired his number, what they should have done years ago. I don't mm-hmm. know why they waited so long for that. I don't know, but Bartolo Cologne's going to be there September 17th. Get your tickets. And as uh, David Wright, too, that's another that should be retired, too, number yep. five. I agree. And uh, now this thing with uh, Buck Show, uh, look, uh, I feel sorry for Buck. I think uh, he's been taking too much heat, but uh, I hear that if 
uh, this stern guy that's going to be the guy that's going to take over the Mets possibility. Mm -hmm. Now I hear he may bring his uh, manager from Milwaukee over too, since he don't have a contract. Well, what, well, listen, listen. If I, if if you or I or anybody gets into a new situation, you'd want to either sign off on the people that are there, or you'd want to bring in your own people. So I can't fault whoever else is going to be coming in to, to want to do that. I can't. Okay then, and uh, and one more thing, uh, they uh, the baseball committee should investigate this uh, Rizzo thing. I, I mean, agree. I mean, uh, he could have he could have collapsed and died on the field from a blood clot. All we know. Oh, don't say that. God forbid that. Oh, that that. What do you think uh, that causes a concussions cause that? Yeah. Well, a concussion you know? is is a brain uh, injury where it. it smacks up against the the inside of the skull. But that could have happened, you know. That could have happened that way. Could have. Could have. I hope uh, the commission will investigate that. But thanks for taking my call. Yeah, Dave, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I hope I hope there is some invest. This is it, beyond baseball. Beyond baseball, there was a man that has been concussed for over two months, and he, they just figured it out now? I told you before, I'm, I coach in high school. They take – still in August – they're, they haven't even done their first day of school yet when I coach volleyball. In August, they're sitting in the computer lab taking a baseline concussion test. You mean to tell me that my high school, the NJSIAA, is more advanced than the professional New York Yankees? I doubt that. I highly doubt that. And if that's the case, that's a big problem. That's an even bigger problem. They didn't think to test him when his numbers fell off a cliff since May 28th. They didn't think, hmm, maybe it has something to do with what happened on May 28th. And then they continued to play him through after he reported finally that he had fogginess in the Orioles series. They, they played him all three games with no consideration not to. This is a man's livelihood. I hope that the league gets involved. I do. Or the MLBPA. Where are they? Jeremy in Westbury, in New York. You're up on the fan. Hey, what's up, Danielle? Yeah, good luck on your softball. Team. Thanks. I know what that. I know. I love that life. That soft. That amateur softball. Life. I love it. I love it. I Walk live right for there. it. I'm gonna be so it's sad next yeah. week when it's over. And listen, keep that chin up. As a captain of a Division Three club flag football team who helps engineer a six verse one upset in the first round of a playoff, anything is possible. That's right. I'm keeping the energy. The group chat's on fire. I just texted him now that people are wishing us luck on the radio. So yeah, <laughs> thanks, Jeremy. There you go, Bagels 2004. Uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> listen, I'm very optimistic about the Mets. I know people are getting a little upset, and I understand after a disappointing season. Um, but listen, prospects, yeah, all right, so the thing about prospects is prospects are generally a win-win-win situation. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain why. Yeah. If you're trading a veteran player for a prospect, you are trading – a close to expiring that, uh, object for something that has potential. So you know that the veteran player is going to fall off the cliff. That is, that is inevitability. So you're trading an inevitability for potential for something, for maybe your own team. Now, on the other side, you have the potential for your prospects from other teams. Some of these players, these extra infielders, extra outfielders, they may never see the light of the day. They may be part of the deal to either close a veteran pitcher next year or for a pitching prospect next year as well. So there's a lot to go with here. You know, the team lost. We tried. We tried it again. We went from 101 wins to a collapse. 
And I got to give Stevie, Uncle Stevie, a lot of credit for a fast pivot here. I mean, I'm looking on the bright side here. Dan. I know you I don't are. Know where you're I at. know, I know you are. And and I'm I'm looking on the not so bright side, Jeremy, because I, I would have loved to have Verlander anchor my rotation for next year. I mean, he still had time left on it. It wasn't like he was expiring. His deal was not expiring. So I would have loved to have him. Uh, you know, he was just starting to hit his stride, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, but. I get what you're saying about the prospects, but it's just hit or miss, man. The good news for the Mets is that they're going to have their core come back next year. You know, Alonzo, etc. Right. And, and the problem I think is, you got to keep. They, I'm sorry. Just, they don't have a starting pitching rotation, a formidable one, and they're going to have to address the bullpen where Billy Epler, Billy in Epler, has failed to do that for two, three t- different junctures in his Mets tenure. It's it's maddening. Well, listen, I I, I totally get that, and Epler. I look at Epler and actually, and I'm normally a player's guy, so I look at Epler and the players themselves who are mostly responsible. I'm not laying this at Uncle Stevie, and I'm not even really laying this at Buck because you gave Buck the same guy yes. who won 104 games, and they couldn't do it. And the pitching, I mean. Well, the, but the bullpen, Jeremy, these, but the bullpen, that's it. You were just talking about the pitching. The bullpen is way worse than it was last year. That was the biggest problem, and it was not addressed by the general manager. I'm sorry, it just wasn't. Mike and Nutley are up next on the fan. Hi, Daniel. What's thanks up, Mike? for picking up my call. Oh, thanks for making it. You're my Hail Mary uh, pass of the day. I've been trying to get you all day. Oh, well, you got um, in. You got in, Mike. Congratulations. I'll try to, thank you. I'll try to make my story short. Over the last couple of years, we lost uh, two sons to tragedy. And Sorry. I go to a group, bereavement group, and I listen to your show, going there, coming back. That's how I learned about it. Oh, thank you. And Sorry for your loss. They asked me, people ask, thank you. They, people ask me, how, how do you cope? And I say, baseball. Mm-hmm. I said, the new game, there's something different that happens. Mm-hmm. But since the Mets blew up the team last week, obviously you can tell my mood is in the toilet. Yeah. Do you think they're ever going to win a ball game? <laughs> oh man, is that a rhetorical question there, Mike? Are they ever going to win the ball a ball game? Just let the, you know what? Who cares at this point? Just let the kids play. I just want to see the development of these kids. Where is Ronnie Mauricio? Bring him up. I mean, I mean, like, come on, enough's enough. I don't want to see Daniel Vogel back again. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like, at this point, wins and losses for the Mets irrelevant, really. Bill in Neptune, what's up there, Bill? Hey, Danielle, that's a tough call to follow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so, listen, Wait, uh, Bill, you know what? All these people that are saying, oh, boycott the games and stuff. Yeah, how about that? Baseball keeps that guy going. Do you think he's going to boycott the games? Come on. No, no, absolutely not. Listen, you got a good point. Um, two things. You touched on the Rizzo thing, and I didn't mean to call on about Rizzo, but I'm a, uh, I'm a coach in New Jersey as well, and the first two things and the only two things they teach you in that coaching class yep. that Rutgers does is don't touch kids and no concussions yep. or concussions. Yep. You know what I mean? So, and how to use uh, the defibrillator. How do yeah. Well, I, I, I'm blessed to know how to do that. Yeah, I know. Me too. But in any case, um, how do you, how does MLB let that happen? Number one, yep. number two, onto the Mets, because that's why I wanted to call. Mm-hmm. Um, they did receive a pitching prospect for the Canna trade, uh, the kid from the Brewers. But regardless of what prospects they get, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not happy, but I'm also not pissed off because I believe in Steve Cohen in an investor standpoint. I don't think he knows a thing about baseball, and I think he's hired the wrong guy in That's effort right. to determine that. I agree with you. But, 
But I think that the guy knows when to cut his bad investments, and I think that's what he's done. So from a business standpoint, I've got all the faith in what this guy is capable of doing as an owner. I have zero faith in what the GM has to do, but I'm excited for the future because of the assets that he gained in his investments. Well, here's the thing, Bill, and thanks for the call there. The the pitcher that they got back in the Canada deal, his name is Justin Jarvis. He is not ranked in in MOE Pipeline's top 100 at all. His official scouting report says... Hitters have a history of punishing him when he catches too much of the plate. His 19 homers allowed, uh, yeah, sorry, his 19 homers allowed were tied for most in the Midwest League in 2022. Yikes! Yikes! Bobby, we got about 30 seconds. What's up? Hi. Uh, you should have put German in that ad for the Yankee promo. Perfect game, drunken, uh, oh, drunken uh, girl beater. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, Rodan, why they give him six years, Danielle? He had a previous injury injury uh, history of his arm and shoulder. I hope this is another another Ellsbury who was who was also injury prone mm. in Boston, and they gave him seven years. Yep, um, it's not just I that; think, it's a sprained wrist in 2016. It's biceps bursitis the next year. Shoulder inflammation when he came back. Why couldn't give him three or four years? I don't know. Why did he give him six years? I don't Ellsbury know. Ellsbury got him seven years. They gave Ellsbury seven years. Yep. And this guy was injury prone. I don't care. Doesn't the genius GM? You know, realize that he's, you know, these these mistakes he's made. Yeah, and, and with Bobby, his long term contract. Great, I know, Bobby. That's a great point. I don't know. A guy with a significant injury history is. Oh, guess what? Injured again on a six year deal. Good luck. We're gonna be talking about this for the next five years, right here, or five and a half, I guess you'd call it. Anyway, thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you tonight. I appreciate you. Thanks for hanging with me for the past three hours or so. If you missed any portion of tonight's show, hit the Odyssey Rewind feature. Select the start, which was about 6 p.m. Great job, Connor Green, as always. Pete McCarthy on the updates. I will see you a few times this week on the early mornings on Wednesday. Five-hour early morning show on Friday. And Sunday, after the Yankee game. Emmanuel's giving me the nod. Yeah, working a lot this week, Emmanuel. Uh, in the meantime, at Coach M-C-C-A-R, twi- uh, T-A-N on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Lori Rubinson is up next right here on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. The Fan. WFAN.